Hey everyone, thanks for listening to SwiftCast. If you're a fan of Taylor, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on iTunes or your podcast app, and it will automatically download our episodes for you each week. We have a lot of exciting episodes and guests as Reputation rolls out, so you'll only be doing yourself a favor by subscribing. Also, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr, at SwiftCast13, or you can find all of our episodes and social media at our website, SwiftCast13.com. Enjoy the show! Hey everybody, welcome to episode 240 of SwiftCast. This is Nate, Adam, and Steph. Episode 240. This is our last episode of 2017. Can you guys believe that we're already at the end of the year? Absolutely not. But I think 240 is a good number to go out on. Yeah, and we made it through the year which was mostly quiet up until August, and then once August started, or more at the end of August, everything started to go crazy, which we'll <laughs> talk about later when Taylor blacked out her social media and those snake videos were posted. So I'm glad we made it through the year, though. And now Reputation is here, and coming up next year, we'll have lots of songs to discuss and tour in May. Absolutely. I think the biggest thing from this year was not that any particular thing that Taylor did. I think it was the end of the drought, I think, was why this year was so monumental. (laughs) Absolutely. And at the end of every year, since we've been doing this podcast, we like to give you a year recap. So that's what we're doing this week. And this is always one of my favorite episodes because I love to just look back and reflect on what happened with Taylor this year and... Even though things were quiet for Taylor, a lot of really important things happened this year. And as we do every year, we always take a little bit of time just to spend with our families to uh, take a break at the end of the year, enjoy the holidays. So uh, we will be back on January 10th with our new episode, our first episode of 2018. So... We will still have our social media active, so um, if you guys want to still you know, hang out, talk to us, interact with us, definitely we will still be on there. But hey, either way, I'm looking forward to 2018. I know, obviously, Taylor has a lot of great stuff up her sleeve, namely tour, but, but hey, I'm excited. Me too. And while we're taking a little holiday break, we will be giving you throwback episodes to some of our favorites over this year, which I had a lot of favorites this year. We had some pretty awesome episodes this year. I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I mean, they were pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, we were able to get some really exciting guests, and I'm still shocked that they wanted to come on and talk to us. And of course, we got to talk to our listeners a lot this year, which I always love to do. So look forward to that while we're on the break All right, so let's kick off episode 240 with some of Taylor's news. Despite being released in November, Reputation was number six on Billboard's list of the 50 best albums of 2017. So that's pretty high ranking. I'm of the opinion that Taylor should be number one, but I'm just saying. (laughs) Right, we always think she should be number one, but... I guess we have to consider, like Adam said, it wasn't released until pretty late. So, and really, 
I wouldn't be surprised if it was on the list for next year as well, because we know it's going to continue to sell a ton of copies into 2018. And she did have some good competition in the top five, including a few of her friends. So Reputation came in at number six. Number five was Khalid, American Teen. Number four was Jay-Z, 444. Number three was Lord, Melodrama. Number two was SZA, Control. And number one was Kendrick Lamar's new album. Yeah, that is some good competition. And I don't know the release dates for all of these albums, but I think a lot of them were released much earlier in the year. So last week, we talked a little bit about the making of the song series that's been on DirecTV. Nate predicted that last week's episode would have been New Year's Day. Oh, totally got it wrong. (laughs) It was uh, Don't Blame Me, but I'm still crossing my fingers for New Year's Day. I think they'll do at least one more before the end of the year, and that one would be perfect. But if you haven't seen it, the Don't Blame Me episode is really interesting to watch. And I just love this song and seeing Taylor sing the song just completely raw was one of my favorite parts. And we're going to be talking a lot more about the making of the song series when we come back next year in 2018. Yeah, I just wanted to mention, did you guys hear her pure vocals in the chorus? I mean, just wow. Oh, it was insane. Blew me away. Absolutely. If anyone ever says Taylor Swift can't sing, which is a common incorrect criticism, just play that part of this making of a song series. I mean, you could just tell when you're watching it, just every fiber of her being went into that chorus. Just unbelievable. And you can really feel it in the finished product. I like that we saw the pure version. And then so now every time I hear it on the CD... I think about her doing that in the studio. And I know as the tour gets closer, we'll talk tour predictions, but I just wanted to mention, imagine if on tour, you know, it's a big production song with, you know, big bass, loud music. And then at one point in the chorus, the music shuts off and it's just the vocals. That would be pretty cool. I would love that. And quite honestly, that particular part of Don't Blame Me might be the thing I'm most looking forward to hearing on tour because I think she's just going to nail it. It's going to be, I think it will be like out of the woods, you know, at the very end of out of the woods on the 1989 tour, when she went back to the hit the brakes too soon. And you could just hear how incredible she is as a vocalist. I think it will be similar. Yes. The extended bridge that is still to this day, one of my favorite parts of the tour. Yes, that's probably the correct term for it, the extended bridge. (laughs) That's something, because I don't really think Out of the Woods will be on tour for Reputation, and that's something I will miss dearly. But I think she'll do something just as good for another song, and I could see Don't Blame Me being that song. In our next bit of exciting news, if you guys don't already know, The Swift Life... Taylor's app, is now available worldwide. Now, this is only available for iPhone users, uh, so you Android users out there, myself included, we got to wait a little bit. Um, I know you guys have iPhones, though. I mean, what do you think about the app? Yeah, I downloaded it, and 
to be quite honest, it's a little confusing and overwhelming at first. Confusing. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, there's a lot of different things to do and there's a lot of different like buttons and goals to earn guitar picks and points and things. And I mean, I think it's structured kind of like Twitter or Tumblr, or maybe they tried to take, you know, the best of those things and combine them. So it's been interesting to read through. Um, I don't know if I'll use it too often, but it seems like it's very active and there are a lot of uh, Taylor fans on it. Yeah, I also downloaded it and it seems very active. And like Adam said, I also thought it was a little confusing at first, especially with all the different, I guess, badges or like Adam said, guitar picks that you can collect. Oh, is it kind of like... When you said badges, I have to stop you. Uh, similar to Taylor Connect, you would have to, or you wouldn't have to, but you could earn badges based on like activity and things that you would do on there. Yeah, I think it's kind of similar. Okay, but I'm not quite sure if you get anything or if it's just kind of like Taylor Connect was, how you just had these badges that you collected. Hmm. And the other thing I have trouble with is figuring out exactly when Taylor's on there. I can't really tell if she's communicating with anyone. She's definitely posted some items that hopefully you have all seen, even if you don't have the app yet, because people are good at capturing those kind of videos. She was, And I think she posted a photo of her with Olivia celebrating the fact that the app is now available. So one thing I don't know, though, is whether and when the app will be available to Android users. Has anyone heard? No, I haven't. No, haven't seen anything anywhere. That's what I'm waiting for is that release date. So, You would think it would have to be at some point. Right. I mean, I would hope so anyway. I'm surprised that they weren't released at the same time. I know that the app has been in development for a long time. So um, I don't know. Maybe they're just having some issues on the Android side of it or, you know, really, I don't know. But yeah, anyway. Hmm. Yeah, we'll keep you updated when we know more information. Well, last week on Taylor's birthday was the general sale for the Reputation Tour. And we wanted to talk a little bit about it because it seems like the model that Taylor is using this year for ticket sales is really different than what she has done in the past. Yes. And in describing this new model, Billboard's Dave Brooks wrote an article on December 14th of 2017, it's called Taylor Swift has concert industry embracing, quote, slow ticketing model. And so we wanted to talk about this because it's really interesting. And once again, Taylor is setting the trend, it seems, for all artists. So a little bit of background for those people who participated in the verified fan system with the boosting, um, who got pre-sale access before the general sale, those people got to go in and choose their tickets. And now that we know based on the general sale prices, those pre-sale prices were actually quite a bit lower than the general sale prices. And then on the 13th, everybody realized that the tickets were priced very, very high. And that was done on purpose. Like Steph said, this slow ticketing model is designed to not have these venues sell out instantly, 
but to have the tickets be purchased over an extended period of time all the way up to the day of the show. One quote from the article that I found really interesting is from David Marcus, who is an executive VP at Ticketmaster. He said, we'd like to sell the last ticket to her concert when she takes the stage each night. We're not trying to sell all of her tickets in one minute. We're trying to figure out how to sell tickets in a more modern way. So it's just such a change from the 1989 tour when I remember hearing, you know, that venues sold out within minutes of being on sale. Right. And it is really interesting because they seem focused on where that money actually ends up. Because with 1989, when the tickets were all at the same price levels and they sold out within minutes, what happened was a large portion of those tickets went on to secondary sites like StubHub. And the individuals who were making the money were the people who were selling them on the secondary market. And something interesting here says that for 1989, 30% of the tickets sold were through the secondary market with websites like StubHub. But with reputation, so far only 3% have made it to the secondary market. Wow, so 10 times less. It, that's a large difference. And they predict that what this will mean is Taylor will make an additional 1 to 1.5 million in revenues per show because the scalpers aren't really buying these very expensive tickets to sell them on the secondary market. I don't know if there's a perfect solution, and I agree with the premise of getting the money to Taylor and her team rather than to ticket scalpers, but the prices on this tour are just so high. Oof. <laughs> They're very high. You know, for someone like myself, for all of us really, um, here on the show, I know that we like to travel around to a lot of different concerts, and for myself anyway... Had things worked like 1989, which was even a step up from Red, had things worked like Red, her past shows, uh, you know, we would know exactly when to buy these tickets, where to buy these tickets, uh, how to get the best prices. This time around, it's tough. It looks like we're going to be going to less shows. It looks like we're not going to have great seats for, for the shows. And that, I think, is a drawback from this type of ticket modeling. Absolutely. I will myself be going to way fewer shows for this tour. And the Billboard article mentions that. It, it says that fans have expressed shock at the $1,500 VIP tickets and $800 snake pick tickets. And for a lot of the diehard fans, I'm sure you're listening to us. If, if you're listening to the podcast, you're probably a diehard fan who likes to see Taylor as many times as possible. And with these prices, it it just seems, for me personally, I just can't justify spending that much money. And I said last week with the verified ticket model, I was really happy with it, but I was disappointed that I didn't realize I could use all six of my tickets. I only used two out of the six. 
but I thought that I would just get my tickets to additional shows during the general sale. And so when the general sale happened and I saw the prices were just practically double or even more to have a decent seat, I just, I didn't buy anything during the general sale at all. And I know a lot of huge fans who didn't think they got a great seat through the verified sale. So they just didn't participate in the verified sale and figured, oh, they're probably holding some of the good seats back for general. I'll wait for the general. And then when the general sale happened, some of these fans were just unable to purchase the tickets because they were too expensive. I think that's the part that shocked me the most was that the ticket prices had already gone way up for the pre-sale for uh, the people like us, the people who put in the time for, uh, you know, the verified ticket program, they had already like doubled in price. And then when the general sale hit and we're thinking, okay, a lot more tickets are going to be released. Like prices are going to go down. Um, they ended up going up. <laughs> so it was like, I don't know. It's like, I, I hope that all of the fans out there are able to find at least one ticket for this tour. I hope that people are able to go to this tour. Um, I think it's going to be different than in years past, even at the shows, because, you know, a lot of times the fans had the best seats. I mean, you know, we'd go to pit, we'd go to uh, particular sections, the 100 level sections. And, and, you know, you'd see a ton of people you knew, a lot of your friends and, and people who, you know, you may have met online or, or, uh, you know, whatever. I, I feel like it's going to be different this time around. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the most disappointing thing. People who are big fans of Taylor are so connected and like to meet up and like to celebrate Taylor together. And it just seems like that won't happen as much this time. And like Nate said, even with the verified sale, the prices were higher than we were used to when you compared it to 1989. But then it progressively got higher and higher. I even looked at venue pre-sales, which happened before the general sale, and those were higher than the verified ticket pre-sales. And so for a few shows, I, I didn't like what I was getting on the venue pre-sale. And I figured, oh, well, they'll probably be the same for the general sale. And then on the general sale, they were even higher. So it's interesting. And like Adam said, I understand why Taylor and Ticketmaster are doing this. It just makes it difficult for fans. And it's also weird to be logging onto Ticketmaster now and seeing so many tickets still available. I'm used to her shows selling out immediately. Yeah, that brings up a good question. I was going to mention that you can go on Ticketmaster today and see tons of seats available at various venues. And I'm, I know it's only December, but should that continue to be the case as we get into March, April, May, I wonder if these venues aren't selling out, if they will lower the ticket prices. It seems like they're very flexible in moving these prices around, so we'll see. They do seem flexible because the other crazy thing that happened, as you can tell, I was just online all day <laughs> trying to, to look at these tickets because I was hoping something would pop up and I would be wrong. But what happened was a few hours after the general sale started, you could go back in 
to the city and they had the interactive map available. And sometimes I pulled a ticket during the general sale, but I decided it was too expensive and I didn't buy it. And then a few hours later, when the interactive map became available, when I went into that section, the same seat, same section was even higher. Wow. So even on the 13th, these prices were increasing throughout the day. So you have to wonder, and if you're a huge fan and really want to see Taylor, then we have to hope that at some point these will lower somewhat. I hope so too. I would also hate for somebody who, you know, erred on the side of caution and said, what if these never go down? What if these are going to stay at, you know, $300 for, you know, a 200 level seat forever? Um, Buy their ticket and then find out that, you know, a couple months later, the same tickets in that section go down to like a hundred bucks, 150 bucks, you know, something like that. So that's the other flip side of it too. So I don't know. It's just such a very different approach this time around. Very different. I think it's going to take some getting used to. Absolutely. And we were also talking amongst ourselves, maybe not just the ticket master prices would have to go down, but you would think on the secondary market at some point, like Adam said, maybe April, May, that they would have to go down too. But I guess that's why scalpers are not purchasing for this tour. So I th- they at least are achieving that goal. But I don't know that the fans are necessarily winning here. We'll just see what happens. Well, what also happened when the general sales started was it was Taylor's birthday. It was on December 13th. And Taylor actually posted on her birthday. Last year, she was completely silent. We had no idea what she did. But this year, she posted, I love you guys so much. This was a photo Paul Sedotti took at the Capitol official Jingle Bell Ball in London a few days ago. I couldn't have asked for a better year. All thanks to you. Thanks for all the birthday wishes. Can't wait to see what 28 will be like. See you soon on tour. And she included a photo from the Jingle Bell Ball. And you can see the crowd all lit up. So that was good. And speaking of Paul, he posted a really nice message on Taylor's birthday, if you haven't seen it yet. But he said that pretty much 10 years ago, he was auditioning to work for Taylor. And he's so excited to go into his 11th year. And it's just nice to see how people stick by Taylor's side for so long. It has to be incredible to work with her. If I'm not mistaken, he is one of the original band members. Uh, I know there have been some fluctuations over the years, but Paul always has seemed to stuck by Taylor. And if you guys ever go to a tour or go to a show or uh, whatever, and you actually see Paul perform, he is amazing. He is incredible. Uh, his ability to play guitar, to play Taylor songs, to, you know, from what we've seen in videos and interviews, uh, his ability to adapt and basically play anything out there. He is one talented guy, so he has some options. I'm so glad that he has stuck by Taylor for that long. Yeah, and if you ever happen to see him, sometimes I've seen him before shows, he'll take time to talk to you if he has the time. And like Nate said, it's just awesome to see him perform live. 
Yeah, I actually got a chance to meet him with a couple of you guys when we went to Houston. We were at the airport at the exact same time as him, and he took some time to talk to us, and we talked about the the show for the Super Bowl that was upcoming and how excited we were, and he's just a really, really nice guy. So even though Taylor posted this, we still don't really know what she exactly did on her birthday. A lot of her friends also posted photos, but... It's hard to tell if those were taken that day or if they were taken at an earlier time. So I just hope she had a good day. I'm sure she did. Hey, it's hard not to have a good day on your birthday, right? True. Especially when you have a number one album. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when you are killing it. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, we're going to be moving on now uh, to a little bit of fashion news. We only have one to share for you guys this week. It comes from the Capital FM Jingle Ball in London. Uh, This was on December 10th, 2017. Taylor was seen wearing an Act N Degree 1 custom top. Uh, Also, as we've mentioned before for these other ones, uh, more Jessica Jones stuff. These were custom shorts this time instead of these tops that she's been wearing. Uh, But finally... Taylor was seen wearing a Fendi burgundy velvet biker boots hmm, that retail for $1,100. Some expensive boots. She likes those expensive boots always. That and purses, I've noticed over the years. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I definitely think, like Nate mentioned on an earlier episode, that Taylor is very into Jessica Jones right now. And I'm betting that Jessica Jones will be involved with the costume designs for tour. So it should be exciting to see what happens. So that's all we have for some news for you guys this week. We will be right back with our main discussion. So for this week's episode, as we do every year, we always like to revisit the entire year of Taylor. What was 2017 for Taylor? And not only that, we also asked you guys on Twitter, what some of your favorite things about 2017 in Taylor World were? Apart from a small break that she had in the years, she actually had some really phenomenal, exciting things happen. Uh, You know, just off the bat, obviously, she launched Reputation. I mean, she's had uh, several different shows. I mean, it's been a crazy year for her. So, Yeah, this year was definitely quieter than most, but there was also a lot of really exciting stuff that has happened this year, and... It's clear that Taylor has been very happy, and she said that this year has been incredible for her. So even though we didn't see her a lot, it's just good to know that she's happy and enjoying her privacy. And it seems like even though the album's out, she's still enjoying her privacy. She's not really out and about a lot. We haven't seen her a ton, even just since the album's been out. So obviously we're going to kick this thing off at the beginning of the year in January. Adam, why don't you take the lead with this? Start with Taylor's 2017. Only one real big thing happened in January, and it kind of started in December of 2016 when we got the new song, I Don't Want to Live Forever, which was a surprise to all of us. 
And then in January of this year, we got the music video for that song. And it's always a fun moment when we get a new music video. We hadn't had a new one for so long. So I was really happy with this music video. It had those darker vibes, Taylor and Zane in that that hotel, I guess it was. And I just really liked that video. It became one of the favorites of mine. Yeah, it was so different. And in a way, I think it kind of set the tone for the Reputation era. Kind of gave us a little hint. Exactly. And, you know, we had speculated about that a lot when that video came out. We're like, is this what album six is going to be? Is it going to have that, you know, like darker synth pop thing going with it? And sure enough, Reputation. I mean, that's kind of what it morphed into. At least, you know, it takes elements from that initial I don't want to live forever music video. Absolutely. And that was interesting because Taylor kind of did the same thing before 1989, where she and again, Jack Antonoff did Sweeter Than Fiction for the movie One Chance. And it was a very poppy, upbeat, kind of 80s sound to that song. And so that was released in between Red and 1989. And Sure enough, with 1989, we had the poppy 1980s kind of sound to that album. And with I Don't Want to Live Forever, the other exciting thing is that in February, this song is up for a Grammy, and we're hoping she'll win it. I was kind of surprised and disappointed that the song was not nominated for a Golden Globe, but hopefully it will win a Grammy. That will... That would be fine to win a Grammy. That would be fine. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's up for best song written for visual media, meaning for like a movie, which it was for Fifty Shades Darker. And turning to February, again, there was really just one big event for that month this year. And that was when Taylor did Super Saturday Night. And it was the night before the Super Bowl in Houston. And Actually, all three of us were lucky enough to attend. It was an amazing show. Taylor did perform I Don't Want to Live Forever acoustically, which she has done several times since then. And Better Man, which was fantastic. Yes. And Better Man, yes. Which is also nominated for a Grammy. And This Is What You Came For. It was an awesome set list. It really was. And I have to admit, personally... I thought she was going to announce the album that night or maybe even sing the lead single that night. But I was wrong. I've been wrong about a lot of things <laughs> over the years with respect to Taylor. But... Oh, we all have. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Super Saturday Night was such a cool event. It was put on by AT&T. It was at this awesome venue called Club Nomadic, which was just fantastic. And the whole production was just really, really good. And one thing I wanted to mention that I don't think I've mentioned on the podcast before, but do you guys remember, and this was going around online a lot at the time when it happened, but Taylor said, as far as I know, this is my only performance in 2017. And we were all devastated about that. But she lied because she's been doing these jingle balls. I wouldn't say that she lied, but... We all kind of knew something was coming anyway. <laughs> yeah, and maybe at that point she didn't know that she was going to be doing the jingle ball, so. Sure. 
Well, and I can't remember her exact wording. Of course, we all remember that moment of the show because everybody thought she's going to disappear and never come back ever Ever. again. (laughs) (laughs) But did she say show or performance or – I mean, I think if she said set, then yeah, she did a set for Jingle Ball. But if she – if she called it like a concert, I, I forget her exact wording, but if she did call it a concert, then I don't know. Is Jingle Ball really a concert? Probably not. Yeah, not technically. I think she did say show. If I remember correctly, she said almost exactly, as far as I know, this is my only show in 2017. So by attending this show, you are attending 100% of my tour dates for the year. Okay. Okay. So, but tour dates, I mean, that's mm-hmm. accurate. Mm-hmm. There it is. But yeah, show, I guess Jingle Ball could be a show. But that, that raises a good question. When did she know she was doing Jingle Ball? I don't know how any of that works. Right. It might be something they last minute ask people to do. But regardless, it was an awesome event. Obviously, Taylor has been doing lots of different things with AT&T with these pop-up shops and are there any other things well of course the making of a song series so she's really involved with AT&T and they've been giving us lots of content as far as I know uh wasn't it a 10-year deal that she signed with AT&T that's right so I feel like there's only going to be more to come I I keep seeing a theme with the things the kinds of things that AT&T does for their fans and 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 you kind of have to be in the fandom to kind of like you know understand what some of these things are but but these fan related events i mean uh you go let's let's say houston for instance uh the pre-party you go to it and and they have you know specific taylor themed things you know um i knew you were a truffle fries and um <laughs> you know uh you can make your own taylor t-shirts and uh anyway but but these just very specific small things that really add up to these huge things that, that she's been doing for these fans. So uh, the pop-up shops, the pop-up concert, I mean, to be fair, um, you know, just very exclusive things. And I think it's really been a great partnership so far. I can't wait to see what else is going to come out of it. Me too. I am definitely crossing my fingers that they'll have something even on a smaller scale, but sort of similar to the pop-up shop on tour even if they have an AT&T booth with the throne or I noticed in the newest pop-up shop in LA, they had the birdcage now. So fans were taking photos with the birdcage. Oh, cool. I didn't see that. Yeah, it looks pretty awesome. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed for something like that at the stadiums. So after Houston, Taylor essentially disappeared. Uh, we really didn't see Taylor until August. We heard rumors that maybe, you know, she was out there, she existed. Uh, we've had <laughs> a couple, you know, like Bigfoot-esque pictures of like someone under an umbrella, but uh, there really wasn't <laughs> a whole lot of Taylor Conson out there, which wasn't a bad move on her part. I mean, she had in August this trial that has become so infamous that put her on the cover of time uh that she had to deal with so um as far as her public image really she had to try and maintain it so uh touching on the trial first of all um as as everybody knows i mean this huge trial dating back to the red tour where 
this DJ allegedly, uh, you know, groped Taylor and, and it became a huge production because this guy actually tried to sue her over losing his job for it. So anyway, uh, all said and done, all was right with the world. Taylor ended up winning the trial, uh, won a symbolic $1 from this man in a countersuit. So uh, anyway, it just goes to show that politically 2017 has been a, a huge year in more ways than one. Yeah, I agree with Nate. I think Taylor was keeping a very low profile because she knew this trial was coming up. And in fact, some fans said that at events, Taylor's dad explained that the release of Reputation was delayed because of the trial. Uh, A lot of things are dependent upon a court's schedule. So Sometimes trial dates can move and things, so they probably didn't know exactly when all of this was happening. So it probably made sense that they had to delay the album just because of this trial happening. And speaking of that, a couple weeks later, Taylor's social media completely blacked out. Everything got deleted. Uh, There was nothing Everyone's like, what is going on? <laughs> like, did somebody hack Taylor's accounts? Is this uh, maybe a lead up to the album? Like, like, what is happening? I remember everyone was just in a panic over the social media blackout. Yeah, I vividly remember the whole fandom debating, was it on purpose? Was she hacked? You know, what does it mean? And I think once a few hours went by even, and there was still nothing there, we realized that it wasn't a hack, it was on purpose, and that something big was about to happen. Yeah, and I always say how Taylor fans are so smart, and they just know everything. But I remember maybe a week before the social media blackout, fans caught on that some of Taylor's old tweets were being deleted, and nobody knew why. It just seemed like a few select tweets were being deleted, and nobody knew why. And then when the social media blackout happened, for me, I think I thought, is she being hacked? She had been hacked before. Her website was down. But then I remembered fans saying that things were being deleted. And then I I think when she posted the profile picture that was just all black, I think then I was thinking like, okay, this has to be intentional and related to something that's coming up. Well, it's fun because when you think about it, uh, at all of Taylor's tours, right before the tour starts, everything just goes black. You just, oh, something's about to happen. And then you, you come into this incredible show. So same thing with this album. Everything just completely went black, was deleted. And then, well, the first thing to surface anyway uh, were these snake videos uh, that we all know about now. Wow. I remember on... Our episodes, we were debating, is this a snake? Is this a dragon? What is this thing? We were so excited that we recorded immediately to get an episode out to listeners. And of course, it was a snake. Now thinking back, of course, she used a snake. It was kind of the thing in 2016 with a lot of just the issues Taylor was dealing with publicly. And now... Snakes are such a central theme of this era. 
Yeah, so the first snake video was posted on August 21st, and then there was the second one the next day on August 22nd, and then the final one was again the next day on August 23rd. And then if I remember correctly, shortly after the last snake video was posted, she posted on Instagram and probably elsewhere too, that the first single is out the next night, August 24th. And that the album was called Reputation being released on November 10th. Which obviously is a humongous moment. I don't think I have to describe that at all. Like, oh my god, album six, we finally have a name, we finally have a single, like, we're doing this, this is happening, the drought is over, we're so excited. <laughs> oh yeah, we had been calling it album six for so long, sometimes I still feel like I should call it album six. <laughs> <laughs> but it, this was just such a different way of Taylor announcing an album, we talked a lot on episodes about how she always had fan events with even if you went back to speak now, she did a live chat with fans. Red, she did fans in person during a live web chat. 1989, she did with Good Morning America, fans in the studio. And this was just, everything dropped on us at once. And we immediately knew the album name. The single was released pretty much right after. Um, so there was no waiting. And I think that's just the way things are nowadays. You have to avoid leaks and just get all this information out there very quickly. And I think perhaps my most favorite moment of August uh, was the Look What You Made Me Do music video. When that thing dropped, I think we were just all in shock of how good that video was. We had had the song for a couple of days because the song was released on the 24th and the music video was on the VMAs on the 27th. But yeah, like you said, Nate, that music video just put this whole fandom into a frenzy because of how amazing it is. Oh yeah, I I was glued to my TV to see the premiere of that music video and I think everybody was. And I remember doing the episode about the music video and we used so many online sources being fans who had broken down this video and found every single detail about it, which there are so many. Yeah, like I said, the fans are just so intuitive. They catch on to everything. They caught every Easter egg you could think of in this music video. But I think that's what I loved most about it. This got not only fans thinking so far outside the box, but the general public, I think, was also very interested in the symbolism of all the different parts of the music video. And it's really funny to think back on August because we just really had no idea what was happening before she announced everything. I'm sitting here remembering how people thought the album was maybe called Timeless and everyone thought the lead single was going to be something like What a Time We Never Had or like everybody thought it had something to do with time. And it's just funny now that we know everything, just how wrong we were about a lot of things. 
right? And also with timeless or time-related things, people were very confident that there would be something to do with an eclipse, too. Right. The eclipse, yeah. But those are the fun moments, discussing among fans what we think albums will be called, songs will be called, themes of albums. Despite being wrong, it's always fun to talk about those things. Oh, heck yeah, because we are literally always going to be wrong about it. So, <laughs> Right, and I now I cannot wait to be wrong about all of our tour predictions. Yeah. <laughs> well, for how busy August was, September was actually very quiet. There was really only one big thing that happened in September, and it was right at the beginning of September, and that was the release of the song Ready For It. I remember being very surprised when Taylor teased to watch a college football game on a Saturday night in early September, and that song was used in a promo for the game, and then the song was released, I believe, the next morning on Sunday on iTunes, right? That's right. Yeah, it came out immediately. Well, then in October, when Taylor was gearing up for the release of Reputation, she did what she often does and released promo singles. Gorgeous was released as a promo single. And she also released the Ready For It music video, which we discussed at length on an episode. And she also started doing Secret Sessions, which were a huge part of introducing the 1989 album. And for this time, she held Secret Sessions in London, Rhode Island, Nashville, and Los Angeles. Which were obviously huge because, uh, as any good Taylor fan knows, the Secret Sessions are such a monumental part of being in this fandom. So everybody wants to go. Everyone wants to hear about what happened in the sessions. I mean, so huge. Yeah, I remember being surprised that she did them again, but I was really happy because for fans, it's just a moment they'll never forget. There's just, there's no way anything could top hearing an album that hasn't been released yet at Taylor's house is, is how I imagine it. So it's just so great to see fans getting to meet Taylor and getting these great experiences that no other artist would do for fans and and i remember nate you got to interview one of the fans who went to the london session and i wasn't able to be on the interview but it was awesome listening to her experience and of course she couldn't tell us a whole lot but just to hear the the background and the general idea of how the session went was really cool yeah if you guys have not listened to that episode yet it's fantastic it's episode 228 uh, go and listen to this Secret Session interview. And so moving along uh, to arguably Taylor's biggest month of the year, last month, November, uh, so many things happened. The Call It What You Want release, the release of the album itself, Reputation, uh, we got the announcement that the world tour was starting. Taylor appeared on Saturday Night Live. She appeared on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. It was such a humongous month for her. Oh, yeah. And for her live performances, we did get to see a variety of songs on Jimmy Fallon. Taylor did New Year's Day, Saturday Night Live. She did Ready For It and Call It What You Want. Yeah, I still remember listening to Reputation for the first time in November and 
talking about it with you guys. It was such a fun discussion. It was episode 234, if you missed it. Um, but what a what a great month. We got a new album, you know, 15 new songs that are going to be on repeat for the coming year plus. And as Taylor mentioned in her Instagram post that Steph read earlier, it just was a wonderful year for her. Yeah, I think with every Taylor album, you remember exactly how you felt the first time you heard the album in full and where you were. And it's just one of those moments you can't really replace because as you listen to the album more and more, your feelings on it change. And and there's nothing like that first impression of hearing the album for the first time. It's one of my favorite moments of getting a new Taylor album. And finally, to wrap up the year, this month in December, Taylor began doing some live performances again. She did various Jingle Ball type shows in LA, San Jose, Chicago, New York, and London. So it was great to see her back on the stage. And then, like we talked about last week, um, a really big moment relating to the trial that Nate mentioned earlier. Taylor was on the cover of Time Magazine along with other silence breakers as the Time Person of the Year. Yeah, despite Taylor being somewhat absent this month, she had some huge moments. And with her performances, we were able to see Endgame live with Ed Sheeran. And she performed Gorgeous for the first time live. Adam was lucky enough to be there in person And it just really gets you excited for tour. And that's the other thing. Like, you look at this year that she has had where she was gone for six months, uh, basically, and all of these incredible things happened. Uh, We know that next year, it's only leading into something better. Yeah, there's just so much to look forward to for 2018. Well, my most favorite part about... 2017 was actually polling you guys, uh, wondering what all of our listeners think about Taylor's year. What were some of her favorite performances, appearances, things like that? Um, so we polled you guys on Twitter. Uh, and we had some really awesome responses. So some that I agree with, some that eh, maybe I don't. But uh, anyway, Steph, hey, why don't you take the first one? Yeah, I love polling everyone. We started doing this with our end of the year episodes in recent years when when you could do that on Twitter. So our first one was, what was your favorite song from the Super Saturday Night performance? And the options were, I Don't Want to Live Forever, This Is What You Came For, Better Man, and All Too Well. And All Too Well won overwhelmingly with 46%. Then it was Better Man, then I Don't Want to Live Forever, and then This Is What You Came For. That just shows how much that song means to everybody because it's the oldest song out of those four choices and it's still one. It's a fan favorite. It always will be. And the best part about that poll too is all of the songs, uh, at least for I Don't Want to Live Forever, This Is What You Came For, Better Man, were sung acoustically. Uh, I mean, these were some powerhouse songs. I mean, these this was, I mean, how could you decide between these four, but still All Too Well comes out on top. Yeah, and some of them, they were. It was the first time we saw Better Man, so and I, I don't want to live forever. I think so. All too well will always hold a special place in fans' hearts. So our next poll for you guys was: What was your favorite song from Taylor's December performances? The choices were "Ready for It," "End Game," or "Look What You Made Me Do." 
And with no surprise, at least to me, uh, 55% of you in the poll said Endgame, followed up with 26% who said Ready For It, and 19% who said Look What You Made Me Do. Obviously, we're going to pick any song that Ed Sheeran is also performing in, so I don't know. Just saying. (laughs) Obviously. Yeah, and that song is something we probably won't see it all the time with Ed, so it was kind of a special performance, and I agree with the results there. Our next question was, which was your favorite of Taylor's TV appearances? And the choices were Saturday Night Live, Jimmy Fallon, and then The Jingle Ball, which was broadcast both online on the CW's website and then also on December 14th on the CW TV channel. And winning this poll was Jimmy Fallon with 46%. And I agree with that because Jimmy and Taylor are just such good friends. And she did that as a spur of the moment thing. And she sang New Year's Day and it was very meaningful. So I definitely agree with that choice. Yeah, it was definitely very emotional after the passing of Jimmy Fallon's mom. And like Adam said, I just really like their friendship. Our next question was, which was your favorite of Taylor's magazine covers? And there were only two, the Vogue UK edition or Time. And Vogue won with 51%, so it was close. Uh, I think the Vogue cover made people think a lot about Speak Now, brought back some nostalgia for fans. So I get that. But I think Time is just a monumental thing to be named Person of the Year as one of the silence breakers, even though Taylor's not featured prominently on that cover, it's just a big deal. I love both personally. That has to be the closest poll we've ever had. 51% Vogue, (laughs) 49% time. That's nuts. What a split. Yeah, it has to be. So our last poll that we had for you guys, which music video from 2017 is your favorite? The choices were, I don't want to live forever. Look what you made me do or ready for it. Overwhelmingly, 73% of you said, Look What You Made Me Do was your favorite music video. 19% of you said, Ready For It, and only 8% said, I Don't Want to Live Forever. That's the right result, though. You can't beat that video. And like I said on another episode, I still can't believe it wasn't nominated for Best Music Video for the Grammys. Right. Absolutely. And on top of that, I mean, just the fact that that video itself was overwhelmingly tailored for the fans. Uh, no pun intended there, but uh, anyway, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, just all the elements of that video just screamed the fandom. I mean, you're going to, hands down, you're just going to like this video. Absolutely, yeah. So I don't know about you guys, 2017 was amazing. Uh, I absolutely would not have expected any of this at the end of 2016. No, we had no idea what we were in for, which is a common thing, being a Taylor fan. It's very true. We thought we had an an okay idea, but we were still blown away. (laughs) And in terms of SwiftCast, we owe a thanks to all of our listeners. It's been a great year, and we hope you enjoyed us helping you through the drought. And now the album is here and tour is coming, and to make a pun, we are ready for it. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i can't wait for next year i'm so excited to talk about all the songs on the album and tour and it's going to be a huge year for taylor 
Absolutely. I mean, as Taylor's years get bigger, our years get bigger too. So uh, not only just tour and the songs and things, but the guests that we're going to have on uh, the show itself that's going to evolve over 2018, it's really going to be fantastic. So I cannot wait. Thank you so much to the listeners, because really, without you guys, we would not be doing this. None of this would be happening. So thank you. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes, and it will download our latest episode for you automatically. Also, be sure to leave us a review and a five-star rating, and that will help other people find our show easier. So if you guys want to submit for some of our segments or just talk to us or um, just follow us on social media, you can find us uh, on Twitter at SwiftCast13, on Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, all at SwiftCast13. You can email us at SwiftCast13show at gmail.com, or you can find all of those things and more at SwiftCast13.com. So, for episode 240 of SwiftCast, this has been Nate, Adam, and Steph. And we will see you next year, guys. Thank you. Happy New Year. Later. Later.